Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Branville, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. Jay, I see you're at home. I'm flying right now. I know. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty cool. You got your own corporate jet there, man. I'm a little envious. Yeah, that's you awesome. know, my, my stimulus check came in, so I bought a corporate jet. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Right. Um, no, it's... It, I. I you know, it, it's a virtual conference world we're all living in right now, and I just learned that Skype now allows you to do virtual backgrounds, and that's what this is, is just a virtual Yay. background. Um, it's crazy how the stupid little features like this are what you really are just like, oh, my God, this is cool. <laughs> it's the new animated GIF. It, it really is. It, <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy it's an emoji oh my god yes, it's an emoji. It's an emoji yeah now i got you know i've i've been like stockpiling a dozen different virtual backgrounds now so if i want to yeah. do it from the brady bunch house i can if i want to do yeah. it from dunder mifflin i can my favorite one though is your your office man that is just yeah genius. yeah you know here and listen this is a good tip for anybody out there um you know as you know i've been doing a lot of work from home and been doing some recordings from my daughter's bedroom, but it's a six-year-old daughter's bedroom. Um, I came into my office where I am now and uh, took a photograph of my wall, just of the wall, nothing in front of it. And now when I have to do a conference at home, I can just drop in the virtual background on my office and it I looks like so I'm much. at the office. So That is just you genius. Know, Think of that, people, because obviously, as artists, you need to be thinking all about virtual now. It's all online, everything. So you could take a picture, you know, of an empty stage that you're playing at or a crowd and use that behind you. It's all about perception. It's all about yeah. image. Yeah. My wife did that. She's a school teacher, and she took a picture from her desk. And when she's having these classes, she's teaching from home. The classroom goes up and the kids are comfortable. It's just like they were in their classroom. Exactly. Genius. Um, all right. So before we get into this week's guest, just uh, a shout out real quick to Bruce and everybody at HypeBot.com. Thank, Thank you, Bruce. Thank you for all you do to put the name of the Music Biz Weekly podcast out there. And Bands in Town, same thing. It means a lot to us when we see uh, uh, an episode included in one of your email blasts or share it on your socials. Um, and of course, discmakers.com. We know it's a digital world, but there's still an important role for physical media for today's independent musician. Digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like CD, vinyl, and t-shirts at gigs when gigs come back, but now you better be selling them online through your website, has become an important income generator. Every CD you sell at a gig or online you might need roughly 3,000 streams to make that same amount of money, and that's a lot of streams. That is a lot. Um, our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. Don't forget, you should always have a T-shirt for sale. Always. Just a simple black T-shirt. You know, the one thing I learned working in the merch industry, inevitably, year in, year out, the best sellers are black T-shirts and baseball caps. You might not yep. be able to afford a wide range of, of merch items. Get yourself t-shirts at least. Yeah. Um, how, 
so we've reached out disc makers and we've put together this cool offer for you head over to discmakers.com and place an order for a hundred or more cds and put the promo code free biz all one word free biz and you will save up to 150 dollars in shipping costs on that order so discmakers.com promo code free biz order 100 or more cds and save on shipping. So, Jay, um, we've got an amazing guest this week. Yeah, I mean, this is so good. Um, we have Wendy Day, uh, founder of Rap Coalition and, and many other things, but really she's a an artist advocate, and you can learn so much just by listening to her. Yeah, she you, you just even if you're not a rap artist, listen, because yeah. her advice pertains to every artist, every genre, she yep. will work with other genres as well, not just rap. Um, but yeah, it's all about education, education, and you know, learning about this business and learning about the contracts and learning about your deals. Yeah. So let it yeah. roll, Wendy Day. Today we are thrilled to have Wendy Day join us. Um, Wendy is a force of nature. Uh, Wendy, I, I look through what what you've been doing, what you've been up to. Um, you must not sleep. But for those who don't know, Wendy is a founder of uh, Rap Coalition, um, a couple of other things. Um, and it, it seems like a lot of this is about education, empowerment, which is right up our alley. I'd love to hear more about, you know, like power moves and then coming soon, the uh, slaves no more. But we'll, we'll get into all of that stuff. But Wendy, thanks for joining us today. I am so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Holy cow. I mean, I mean, we could talk for hours just, just on your background, but at a high level, for someone who doesn't know who Wendy Day is, walk us through, uh, through that little trip. Okay, I'll try to make it um, quick so your eyes don't <laughs> glaze over. Um, 28 years ago, I started a not-for-profit organization called Rap Coalition, and it's still in existence today. And it's an advocacy organization. When an artist is in an unfair contractual situation, we step in with attorneys and we help them either get out of that situation or renegotiate that situation. Usually with a major label, sometimes with managers, sometimes with less than savory production wow. companies. But that's pretty much what I do. Um, I'm also big on the whole education thing, which you just mentioned. I just feel like if an artist knows what's fair and acceptable, they won't get jerked. Yeah, that Wendy, is fantastic. Wendy, I got to imagine, and, and we don't have to dig into this, but you know, with the names that you've worked with, you could probably write a pretty interesting book filled <laughs> with some stories and be behind the scenes. <laughs> Man, I'd read it. I know, right? You know what's funny, though, is I don't really have the urge to do that. And maybe because I work with rappers, I feel like most of the stories that I could tell, I can't. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Fair enough. It's probably one of those situations because, you know, we're in the business. It's like people are like, I can't write a book until everybody I've ever worked with or potentially could ever work with is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Wendy, let me ask you this. I love what you're doing and Thank what you. you've done. It's just, Thank you. it's so great to have someone like you that's doing that. Um, g give us a sense of, 
and you don't have to name names, an artist comes to you, what are some common things that they're like maybe being taken advantage of, or maybe that they got into something without knowing the ramifications, they're signing things, the agreements aren't right. Walk us through kind of like you're meeting with an artist for the first time. What kinds of things are they bringing to you? You know, the first thing I, I have to do when somebody comes to me really is listen. And it's almost always like a three or four hour conversation because they have they just really want to unload. They want to get all of the pain and suffering off their chest. And it's not something they can really do with an attorney because at billable hours, that's a really yeah, expensive, that's expensive download, right? So I've learned to really just listen, let them get it out, let them say everything that they need to say. And then I come back and ask the questions. Probably the number one thing that I see is that the artist didn't have an attorney on their side when they negotiated their deal. A lot of artists don't understand, and it's getting a little better today, but not as good as it needs to be. Um, A lot of artists just don't realize that when when a label or a manager gives them a contract, it's negotiable. They think, oh, I either have to sign this the way it is or lose the opportunity. That's right. That's not the case at all. So, you know, I've, I've always looked at it and I've told, told clients, it's like, you know, when you get a contract or you're just starting a, a, even, you know, just a, a phone call negotiation, understand they're coming in with their absolute ideal. My dream comes true. If somebody signs this contract, but, realistically they they would expect to only give 50% of that because it's a negotiation yeah. it that's the whole point if if two parties are negotiating you don't immediately start right in the middle cuz you've got nowhere no. to negotiate to you both start at your extreme, extreme. asking for yeah. the asking that's for the right. sky because it comes down and then you all meet i i i share a funny story that this goes back to 95, 96. So um, I did work with Kiss for a while, for a number of years. And there's a funny story about Gene Simmons, who we all know his reputation for business and deals and everything else. And people would be like, um, you know, why did you go in and ask for $10 million for that tour deal? And his response is basically, because if they're stupid enough to give it to me, I'll take it, but I know realistically I should only get five million for this. So you know yeah. you're always waiting. There's always that one chance you're going to cut that deal with somebody who's going to give you your first yeah. offer. Right. And one thing that this a music attorney told me recently because we were going through a contract. There's certain things that are not negotiable, but there are very few of them. There are very few things, like for a most favored nation kind of thing, or a certain fee that goes along with distribution, or there's certain things that they aren't able to move on, but then they can make concessions in other areas. But you are so right. These things are a starting point, and you have that negotiation. I think a lot of artists are, are fearful that, look, I've been working so hard in this music and I don't want to lose this opportunity. And if I say no to the man, then I'm, I'm done. And that's, that's a scary position to be in. That's very real. You know, it's in, in life as well as in business, you don't get what's fair. You get what you negotiate. 
right? And I remember when I started in my career back in the 90s, I remember an attorney telling me, Wendy, the average contract goes back and forth seven times. Yeah. Now, mine go back and forth a hell of a lot more than seven times. Yeah. But when I when I heard that, it kind of made it real for me like, oh, wow, right. You don't just get the best deal right off the bat. You don't get it even in the first or second pass through. Sometimes it has to go back and forth until you kind of wear them down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I spent years in the merchandising end of the business and I remember there would be, you know, artist licensing agreements that could take seven, eight, nine, 12 months yes. to negotiate Yes. And nobody was getting pissed. Nobody was getting angry. It was normal. It, 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 it's it not was personal. No, it was normal. But, but it, and, and I, I always tell people, I'm like, but once that term sheet is basically agreed to, now they want to move really fast. Yes. You know, once you've agreed to the contract, it, we aren't waiting 12 months to start executing no. on it. We want to execute tomorrow morning. So exactly. that that's something to keep in mind is... Yeah, you might be exhausted from a long negotiation, but once that negotiation has two signatures on it, you're ready to go. Yeah. It's on. Thing, things, things get real. Hey, hey, Wendy, tell me about what, what happens if somebody comes to you and you look at the agreement that they have, regardless of what it's about, and you just see that it's just wrong. It's just criminal. It's unfair. Illegal? I mean, maybe illegal. And they signed it. What do you do in that case? Um, I usually bring the artist to one of the more powerful attorneys in the industry. And when I started my company, I realized that in music, power matters. So I started stalking. That's probably a harsh word, but <laughs> I started stalking some of the really powerful attorneys. Um, my first stalk was back in the day, Madonna was like the biggest artist and I stalked her attorney because I knew he was already making a lot of money and would be able, provided he had the right mindset, would be able to work on some newer artists pro bono. And once he was on board and introduced me to a lot of his friends, it made it so <clears throat> it was relatively easy. Nothing's easy, but it was easier to get labels sure. to do the right thing when they got a call from a really powerful entertainment attorney. Gotcha. Wendy, let me ask you. So how many artists, when they come to you, know specifically what was wrong, what happened wrong, or most of them coming with just pure, I don't get it. Sure. I just don't understand. I yeah. have no money. And yeah. then you actually have you have to dig into finding the real root cause of the problem. Yes, because I've been doing this for so long, I can kind of guesstimate. So it doesn't really take me as long as you might think to figure out what the problem is. But more than somebody coming and saying they didn't get the right amount of money, artists come to me and say, I've been sitting on the shelf for a year, for 18 months, for what you know, for whatever, it's yeah. more that than anything, and because I've seen that so many times, yep. I know that one of well, I can't say one of two, but one of a few things has happened. Either the person that signed them is no longer at the company, mm -hmm. so they're just languishing. In which case, it's just a matter of me getting a release, which takes an a ridiculously long amount of time, or their team isn't 
the right team for them. And the team has done something to complete, completely piss off the label. When the artist pisses off the label, they get dropped. So that's not always an issue. But when they have a team that either doesn't really know how this works or the team has butted heads with mm -hmm. folks at the label so much that the label's just like, okay, no more. It's more that. And then gotcha. it becomes it becomes really just sitting everybody down and letting them vent and, and starting anew, or it's the artist has to replace their team with people that are a little bit more knowledgeable and a little bit less confrontational, not easygoing. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. It's not the confrontation that bothers the label. It's the ignorance that bothers the label. I, 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 I always tell, tell people you've got to, You've got to learn which battles to pick. Yes. You know, especially when you are dealing with l labels of any size. You know, do you want to pick the battle because there was a typo in the press release? It's probably <laughs> not the battle to pick. You, won't, you, you, say, you save that card for when something, something dramatic is, you know, they just, they shelved you. All right, now that's the battle you pick that's up big and you one. fight. Yeah. That is a big one. And we yeah. see that happen sometimes more more often than not, where the first instance that you said, when let's say the A&R guy was let go, well, yeah. the, the things that he had signed and that he was the champion of, the new guy comes in, well, he's got his own stuff. Agenda. And so yeah, yeah, exactly. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was, I, recently, we saw some outdated um, contracts, mm -hmm. and they had things like breakage, and that has different meanings to different people these days. Um, are you seeing some of that? I'm not saying that it's done nefariously, but are you seeing some contracts where you're like, wait a second, time out. This, this yeah, doesn't this belong. Is, this is an old contract that they just yeah. haven't updated. Yes. I see that. I don't see that with the majors anymore. Um when we first went from CDs to MP3s, I saw that all the time. Breakage, breakage, and it was really funny to me. Um, yeah. It's gotten a lot better with the majors. Where I see that is with a lot of the independents because they're getting, they're downloading free contracts off the internet. So uh. they're taking whatever they find, not necessarily what's best for their business. That you know, so and and, th and that's that's some in of that. that's interesting because. You know, there's nothing wrong with going out and downloading the free contract, but if that's your business, I would expect, wouldn't you want to read this contract and go, maybe we need to take this clause out. Maybe we should give it to our lawyer and have our that? lawyer look at the contract <laughs> we're going to give to our artists. And yeah, that section right there, that's all about 1970s. That has no application now. You know, especially when you're building your entire business model on that contract. And technically, as a record label, you are or as a management company, you are your entire business is based on your value, that, the paper. Yep. Yeah. So you well, let me ask you this. Spend a couple thousand to get it perfect before yeah. they jeopardize hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions. So people, people meaning artists, aren't making the kind of revenue from physical, you know, and, and a download isn't worth a CD and a stream isn't going to make as much money right. as a download. So, you know, the whole revenue is a, a little bit different, well, a lot different. When these contracts come in, do you find that, 
you're looking through people trying to take a bigger piece of sync licensing and maybe taking some merch and other things. And how do you navigate those waters? Is it, look, if you're going to get behind us, it's okay. We all share in the success, but you can't just take all of our revenue streams. That's all we got. How do you navigate that? You know, I was, I was very, um, pissed off (laughs) in 2005 when 360 deals came into vogue because my complaint was because labels were losing money from mp3s and streaming from the digital side of it they were trying to make up the the lion's share of the money from taxing the income from shows and from um books and tv deals sync merch publishing well they always took a piece of publishing it's not that i minded them taking a share of what they brought to the table like if you if you kill you should get to eat right right if you secure the sink for a big movie you should, you should, yeah, get, a piece of should that. get a piece of that i agree but when you've got these overreaching contracts where you're just automatically taking a piece of everything just because you're greedy that's that's where i that's kind of where i drew the line so once 360 deals came into vogue i stopped doing deals with the major labels and i'm really happy about that because it shifted my way of thinking and almost the entire urban music industry's way of thinking into independence. So what it did was it didn't cut out the major labels. It just made artists go and put out their own music, make money with their own music. So now if the major labels wanted to share the deals were highly leveraged deals. So all of a sudden you started hearing about rappers getting six million, eight million, ten million dollar deals. And that's why. Because they were able to go out, start making a couple hundred thousand dollars a month independently. And then when the major labels finally saw what was going on and wanted in, they had to pay a bigger share on the front end and the back end to be able to sign the, the, the artists. And for me, that was wonderful. Wow. Uh, Wendy, how much of this education is, is just educating the artist to this new music business? It's not that you got a bad contract, but as I think we've all encountered, you know, you've got, you've got the artist who's like, Oh my God, I got, you know, a million streams on Spotify and my check was so low, they aren't paying me. Well, you know, and, and Jay and I have always said, well, um, they're paying your rights holder. What's your rights holder paying you? You know, right. there, there, there seems to still be that big, big gaping hole in, in education where the artists just don't understand how the new how the money flows even and do you is that what you spend time going okay guys this is just this is how you know spotify is just tower records of 2020 they're the same same thing you know this is the way the money flows of that tower didn't pay the artist directly and you know we tell people uh, artists all the time when they see that number on spotify that says a million streams well that's based on one second you know you look at nielsen that's based on 30 seconds that's what you get paid for and a lot of times uh, we saw an artist yesterday that had four million streams on spotify and seven hundred thousand that they were being paid on so there's a pretty high skip rate i imagine a lot of wow. you know and i think michael's a- alluding to this too is just kind of educating these artists and managers that look 
this is a new music business and you can make money on streaming. But like we said, a stream isn't worth a CD or vinyl. It's not, it's not. And, and you're right. That is a very large share of what I do because people don't understand how the money flows. Another part of the education, and that's a big part of it. Another part of my educational process is a lot of artists seem to think that there's a magic fairy that comes down and anoints them by touching them on the head with their magic scepter. And all of a sudden the fame and the money flows in. And that's so not the case. And artists don't realize that you don't get put on in the music business. You have to put yourself on. And once you, once you get signed to a deal, if that's your goal, that's where the real work begins. You don't get to sit back and, and ride on a private jet and do absolutely nothing. <laughs> you actually have to put in the yeah, work. Michael. You actually have to engage with your followers and market and promote. And you're on the front line. You've got to be that person on the front line, bringing in more and more um, fans into yeah. your brand. You know, yeah, yeah. I think artists today, not all of them, but there are a group of artists that we all work with that think that that signing is the destination, not the beginning, like you just said. And they're frankly, they're they're lazy and I can't want it more than you do. You right. know, this especially today when you have socials and you have touring, you know, outside of the pandemic, you have socials, touring, songwriting. I mean, recording, there's so much that you have to do. It's it's a lot of work. And if you're not ready to put in that kind of work, then you don't know, do it professionally. Yeah, you might not be in the right be a, business. Be a, be a weekend musician. Put your music up because you love what you're doing, but don't try to make a living. Find a find a plan B, find a day job, find something to do so that you and your family don't starve because this is work. It's a real job. Yeah. Do do you spend time talking to your clients about like what if you should even sign to a major label versus doing it yourself yeah. because again it, it's still to this day we still hear from the especially younger artists who think the ultimate goal is getting a record deal and yeah. why i don't know because that's the way it's been for decades Ever. when you yeah. sit down and go yeah but do you understand what what a record label can bring to the to the party is a lot less now than it was Less 40, than year, 40 years ago, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, you might not need a record label. If you've got angel right. investors behind you, if you've got a team behind you. Right. You know, so is, 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 that, is that something that a lot of artists are yes. getting educated on by you? Yes. Yes. Um, I, wrote a, I wrote a book about how to get a record. This is not a plug. I wrote a book about how to get a record deal. And there is more in that book talking about why you should stay independent than there is about how to get a record deal. And it's because even if that is your goal, and if that is your goal, that tells me that you haven't done enough research on the music business. But even if that is your goal, the way that you get signed is you attract a label when you don't need them, when you've already got enough going on that it's, it's, they're off. Yeah. They're offering, 
they're offering a financial incentive, but it's not, you don't need that. It's just yeah. a benefit to what you're doing. Yeah. And I don't want to dump on major labels because I, oh, I don't either. See, yeah. None of us do. I definitely see their value, but you're right. That, that value is dwindling every day. Yeah. And I see a lot of artists that are independent that are making a ton of money and have a ton of success. But then I also see artists that don't really have that entrepreneurial drive and they don't really have that work ethic that's necessary. So they need a team or yeah. an assembly line of people that can help propel them to the next level. Yeah, it can be very um, appropriate for certain artists. I worked for major labels for 25 years um, and I've worked for indies and they all have their strengths and weaknesses. Absolutely. Um, but today it's a it's a different day. I find that some clients don't even know the difference between what a label's roles and responsibilities are and distribution. And they'll sign an agreement with a distributor and then they're shocked when that distributor isn't, isn't doing what they want them to do. Isn't a record label. <laughs> Right. It's not a record label, but you right. need a powerful distribution company. Even if you want to run the label yourself, which some people do, if you want to hire professionals like us, some people do that. But at the end of the day, you can go through TuneCore, CD Baby, DistroKid, Stem. I mean, there's lots of places you can put your music out. That barrier to entry is so low now. You can get your music worldwide, and that's great. But that's not really the issue that's now. Not. Now, how are you going to grow your audience? Yeah, you know, how, how are you, you going to grow your brand? Right. How That's are you exactly going right. to stand out? Because yeah. it's so oversaturated today. Yeah. You know, I how think I think Spotify. Yes, I think Spotify says they have forty thousand uploads of songs daily. That's right. So if I'm just one artist with one song, and I'm putting out, let's say I'm putting out one song a month, how am I going to stand out from all that clutter? And yeah. that is not the distributor's responsibility. Yeah. So with with a good distributor, I think, you know, because they have those weekly meetings with the digital service providers and they have regular meetings with social platforms and YouTube. And it's great to have somebody in your camp that has that. And if you have an issue, you've got a team that'll help you. Yeah, they take a distribution fee, but... I'm sure you run into artists all the time that they've got their own base. They don't really need what a lot of people do, so they could put it out themselves and, and take a lion's share of the revenue. Absolutely. Right? But that's not everybody. It's it's not everybody. And you know, in our community, when Taylor Swift left Big Machine, we questioned why she didn't become independent. Because did she really need the machine of Universal at that point in time? And of course, I can argue both sides of that. Yeah. But in, in, in the rap community, which is where I spend the bulk of my time, once you have your fan base and you can go directly to them, you can really make a living doing this. Yeah. Unless you're trying to become a superstar pop artist, and and you want to take over the world like a Taylor Swift or a Justin? Yeah, but that's unrealistic, right? For most people, I, I love things all, like all. Patreon and you know Bandzoogle and these things where you can. Because the problem with streaming is, you they have access to your audience and your data, right. right? If you that's why we're so big on email lists and growing your own socials I'm and having that. Huge on that, yes. Because most people just want to. They want to make a living. They want to do what they have a passion for. Yes. There's, there's very few that are going to get to the level of Drake 
or Taylor Swift. I mean, let's be honest. That's that's just not the way it works. But I think with your help to kind of get them on the right track where they're at least signing decent deals and they've got a partner, you know, that's where, where I'd like to push more people in is being educated, making good choices, right? I think yeah. that's where you win today. I agree. As long as you know what the choices are and can make a good decision, you're golden. I, I think the problem is with people that don't do the research, they don't know what it means to be signed to a major or signed independently to yourself, you know, do it yourself, whatever you want to call it. I think that's really more the problem because artists tend to look at fame before they look at the structure of the income. So really they just want to be famous and looking towards the Drake's and the Taylor Swift's like, Oh, I want to be that. I want to make a difference in the world. I want to be famous. And they don't really do the research to find out what that means. And for me, the hardest part is to not be a dream killer. Yeah. It would be very easy for somebody to misunderstand what I'm saying and think, oh, she doesn't want me to be Taylor Swift. She doesn't want me to be Drake. And that's not true. Or she doesn't think I'm good enough to be that. Right. You just want them to be realistic. Is rap different than any other genre for what you do? Does it matter what the genre is or is rap so different that it's more specialized? No, it it really doesn't matter. In rap, we're probably a little bit more in your face with stuff and we probably take bigger risks than other genres of music but no i mean for what for what i'm doing and and there's a lot of country artists that come to my website to learn there's a lot of rock and pop guys the only reason i focus on rap is because that's my passion so it's the reason it's rap coalition is me not because of the material or the artists i've helped a lot of reggae artists a lot of rock guys a lot of pop artists not so much um opera and country i don't know why (laughs) but the knowledge that i share is applicable to everybody so when wendy one of the big problems that's always been there for artists and will always be there for artists is is funding is money is backing Number one problem and you know and 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 a lot of times that's the only reason they want a record deal is because they think the record labels is a bank with unlimited pockets that will spend tons of money on you right as, as we know that's not the case anymore um do you help artists understand how they can finance themselves you know they might be they might have the great entrepreneurial spirit full of ideas but as we all know an idea is meaningless unless you can execute on it and executing on an idea usually means you got to have some money to do something yes so you've got to have money to be able to stand out like i said it's it's so oversaturated and a lot of artists don't understand this they think that their talent is enough and sadly it's not um Mm. so while i try not to crush dreams (laughs) and (laughs) cannot do this if you're broke Um, I do share strategies that people can use that have lower budgets, but the reality of it between us is that if you don't have money to market and promote, it's going to be really hard to stand out. And the funny thing is in today's um, economy, in today's music business, 
I find that it's easier to find investors than it is to get signed to a record label. Yeah. And and when once I realized that, it was a little shocking to me, to be honest, because I don't find it easy in by any means to find money, you know, for anything. But in the music business, there just seems to be a lot of people on the outside that want to be in it, whether they're professional sports guys or um, a cabal of doctors or dentists or insurance guys, just people that want to invest and they want to invest in film, TV and music. Like they see that as the glamour industries mm-hmm. and they just want to be part of it. There, 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 there's a lot of those people who, you know, they are frustrated or failed musicians themselves right? that went on to be incredibly successful as doctors, lawyers, CEOs, whatever, but they've always had that dream of being a rock star. Yes. I can now invest in a rock star, and now when I'm hanging out at, at a cocktail party, I can brag about my artist and my artist doing this, and you know, it, it gives them that feeling that they are part of what they had as a dream. They live vicariously. Yeah. It's also such a glamour industry. And, it, and it's funny because um, before we started this interview, we were talking about backgrounds and you put up this awesome background of a private plane. And I laughed because that is such the image of the music industry. And one of my backgrounds for, um, for, for Zoom is I have $100 bills behind me, like sort of like just raining mm-hmm. down. And while it's funny there's a lot of reality in that in that image, right? Where people yeah. think, oh, if I invest in the music business, it's going to rain money and I'm going to fly on private jets everywhere. And that's not necessarily the the reality, but for some reason that's still the image. You yeah. know, I'm 28 years in and that's been the image since before I got into the music industry. More likely and you're in a van going, you know, driving through Idaho going to your next gig. In a van, it's broken down, yes. That's the reality. But we all envision the private planes and the parties where, you know, we're going to have a superstar actor to our right and a famous um, NBA player to our left. And they're going to want to know who we are as investors. And that's just, you know, it's such a funny stereotype to me. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's very much alive in the music industry. It, it's funny because all of that stuff can happen, but it's yes. usually just paid for. Somebody, yeah. you know, your record label. You want a private jet? Okay, the record label's we'll rent renting them. a private jet, but yes. guess what? The the ten thousand dollars to rent it, uh, you're paying us back on that. Oh, you yeah. you know, we need to have some celebrities at your album release party. Well, we can hire some to come in and have some drinks and hang out with you and everything else. I mean, you know, that that's the funny thing about the music industry. Everything for the most it's an illusion. It's an illusion it's of, yes. of of you know, you want people to be rock stars. What's a rock star in your mind? They live up to that that perception that that image, that, that, right? that image but they go home and they're hanging out with their kids and they're cooking dinner and you know <laughs> you know it, it, you know I have seen pictures of funny ones are like of of Metallica you know James Hetfield on stage you know just badass but then here's another picture of him walking on Rodeo Avenue carrying Gucci bags right you know right, <laughs> right. it's it's all about the image clients, 
when I first started working with him, you know, all he said to me was, man, I want to be famous. I don't want to have to go to Walmart. I want to pay somebody to go to Walmart for me. And now that he's famous, he says the exact opposite. He says to me, Wendy, all I want to be able to do is walk in Walmart and buy socks. And it's so funny because three years have passed, right? That's funny. And it's like, well, you weren't saying that three years ago. Three funny years how things ago, change. Me, I want to hire somebody to go to Walmart and buy my socks and underwear for me. And he's like, yeah. oh, man, if I could just walk into McDonald's, if I could just walk into Walmart, like if I go to Walmart right now, it's going to take me an hour and a half and three security guys to get in and out. And it's just so funny. It's like, be careful what you wish for because yeah. it might come true. Dude, well, you dude, bring up dude. a good point. People have different goals. Like I have artists that their number one goal is accolades. They want Grammys. They want accolades. Oh. I have other clients that just want to put butts in the seats. That's all they want to do. They want to drive the, the live show. Then I have others where it's all about growing those social numbers, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. It's all about, we got to have a bigger audience. We got to grow that thing. The vanity Some numbers. Of them, yeah, exactly. And some of them get into like the, the streaming numbers and it's a competitive thing with other artists. So it's not a one size fits all, right? Everybody kind of has their own goals. And it's funny to hear you say how someone's goals change. They start out yes. one place and they end up somewhere else. They almost always change. <laughs> Wendy, do you, do you help artists when they've made it so they don't blow the money they've got? So you don't fall don't. into the trap of... Oh, you've got a hundred family members as your entourage, and you're paying them all fifty thousand dollars a year. And you know what? In three years, you're going to be bankrupt. Right. I don't help them at that point, um, but I I train them as they're growing, so that they're hearing that. I promise you, they're hearing that in their yeah. head when they get there. But I I don't work with guys once they're famous. Um, at that point, they have you know, top of the line attorneys, top of the line business managers, you know, I've made the introductions for them on the way up. So they're surrounded with all the right people. And of course I sit there like this and I pray that they just listen to their team. Um, but for me, it's not fun anymore once they become famous. So I'm more about planning the, the, the rise planning. Yeah. The friendship. It and must be pretty grat gratifying for you with the artists that you've worked with to take them in as like baby artists and then kind of setting yes. them free and watching yes. them. That must yes. be really gratifying. Yes. yes. What's really cool is I don't really stay friends with the people that, that I work with because that's not my goal. But it's really cool when we bump into each other like, you know, five or ten years after the fact. And my first question is always, is it what you thought it would be? And inevitably, everyone has said to me, no, it's it's and and then they'll usually offer a complaint like, you know, I'm, when I'm on tour, I wake up and I don't know what city I'm in or I just want to stay home and play with my kids. You know, they'll they'll tell me different stories, but I can't remember one time where somebody said to me, it's better than I imagined or it's interesting. It's really interesting. That's very interesting. Yes. Because yeah. we all have this picture of what we think it's going to be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. so, so, Wendy, um, what are you, what are you working on now? Where, where can people find you online? What, what, what do you want to plug and pitch here? Um, you know, I'm not very promotiony, <clears throat> but 
I am building an educational website. I'm in the process of changing the name right now because of the world that we live in. Um, it's become more racially tense than it ever was. And my platform that I planned on building my whole career was called slaves no more because I saw, I saw artists as, um, as slaves in the music industry. But in, in today's political climate, um, to be a white woman owning a site called Slaves No More doesn't work for me. So, um, and if you have any suggestions on a new name, that would be awesome. I'm in the process of building out this site where artists can go, and not just rappers, it's for all artists, to go and learn not only how the music business works, but how to make money with their music on their own so that they can either make money doing what they love and and make this their career and make an income from it, or they can build enough leverage so that when a major label does step in and offer the right deal, they'll recognize that right deal and, and jump on it. So that's one of the things I'm doing. I'm also very active, um, especially right now during the coronavirus. I'm very active on my Instagram because that's for rap. That's kind of our platform of choice for social media. Um, I'm I'm trying to keep my community working. A lot of people are in music are very socially oriented, and because they they feel trapped in their houses, they're having a hard time. I'm the exact opposite for the record. <laughs> I love my solitude. I'm more, um, I'm accomplishing more at home than I ever thought that I would. I hear but you, sister. Many artists are at their wits end. Yeah. So every day I'm giving them a little challenge of something to do. I post it online at about 1 a.m. every day and it gives them something to do for the next day. Like, um, you know, uh, boosting your SoundCloud, learning how to be more effective on YouTube, reaching out to other artists that are at your level and collaborating with them. So reading a business book, you know, outside of music, um, going and, and watching, choosing four different TED Talks that are of interest to you personally, and then coming back and reporting to your Instagram followers what you learned from one of them. So I'm trying to keep people engaged and chugging along in their careers because I see that they're struggling and I That's see fantastic. That it's you know, here's here, so here, here, here's one here's one one tip you could throw out to them. Go and go shop and enjoy Walmart now while you can. <laughs> because you right. once you make it you can't enjoy it. <laughs> You can't, right? And and wear a mask and gloves, but yeah, go exa- and, exactly. Yeah. Stay away go from everybody. This, in Walmart this too shall pass. We'll, we'll get through um, this. W- w- Wendy, what's what's your website, or where do you want people to reach out to you who might have more questions for you? Um, they should probably reach me on Instagram because that's where I'm most active, or they can email me. My email is this is Wendy Day at Gmail. I'm great with email. I suck at returning phone calls. I just don't have enough time, but I'm great at email because I multitask. So I can be on the phone and answering emails at the same time and not and not lose a thought. So email this is Wendy Day at gmail.com is a great way to reach out to me. And then my Instagram is at Rap Coalition. Awesome. And I'm very active on Instagram. So um I don't I don't pay attention to direct messages. I get too many of them. I know. But, isn't that isn't that sad? I mean, I'm I'm the same way. It's like, you know, Instagram and Twitter. 
I can't, if you send, don't even bother sending a direct message because there's no, so much like, spam that is in their direct messages that I can't even, noise. can't even yeah. weed, weed through it. Yes. Yeah. Well, and Wendy, then I've got a YouTube channel with videos to educate artists too. And that's youtube.com slash this is Wendy day. And my email address is under every video. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I think that is such a great resource. Thank Wendy, you. it's it's such a pleasure to have you on. I, I love that you're all about education and empowerment and uh, continued success. Um, we'd love to talk to you again. I mean, we could talk to you all day, but we we really appreciate you taking the time to come I, and I talk I love that us. you guys are doing this because I know that there's really – you're not becoming millionaires doing this. Let's be real. You're doing this because you love it. Yep, and I right. so love that you're doing this. I'm such a fan. I can't thank believe you, you, you honored me by allowing me to be on. Oh, thank you so much. What you do is so friggin' valuable. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank Wendy. you, Wendy. No, thank you. Take care. Bye, guys. Bye. Take care. All right. Discmakers.com. Use code FREEBIZ for ground shipping on CD orders of 100 units or more, $150 value. Boy, you know, Wendy's enthusiasm is just yeah. contagious. I mean, yeah. you you can you can tell she's got a passion for what yeah. she's doing. And I love that yeah. when you find that yeah. in somebody. I do too, and I I just I wish more people knew about Wendy and um all the things that she does is so valuable for these artists. And it's, it comes back to something you and I talk about all the time. And that is you got to educate yourself. You know, you can't just sign the first thing that is dropped in front of you. And I'm just, uh, I, I'm really happy that, you know, she's doing what she's doing. Yeah. And, and, and she's, she's helped a lot of her clients through those issues. So, yeah, you know, good job, for Wendy. Her. And, you know, if, mm -hmm. if, if you've got issues like this, reach out to Wendy. Again, you don't have to just be a a, a, a rap artist. You could be pop. Yeah. You could be rock. Um, reach out to her. She's She gets this. She understands yeah. it, and she wants to help. Yeah. Um, all right. So if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that little red subscribe button. If you are on Spotify, follow us. If you are on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. And one quick final shout-out to our sponsors. Thank you so much to Bruce and HypeBot.com. Thank you so much to Bands in Town and, of course, DiscMakers.com. Thank you, everybody, for everything. Thanks, you guys. Support us and keep us going every week. That's it, Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I got the fasten the seatbelt sign are you so gonna land soon? I, yeah we're landing going right. in, landing into the bahamas right, right tray now. tables up <laughs> tray tables up all right everybody music biz weekly podcast we're out of here